Bonjour et bienvenue to a Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon, and I am the one and only Mitch Lafon. And joining me on this episode, it is Gowan drummer Todd Zuckerman. Wait, what was that? Oh, Sticks drummer. Right. Well, he does that too. You know, listen, I'm Canadian and we love a Gowan, Criminal Mind and all that great stuff. But uh, Todd Zuckerman has a new album out called Last Flight Home. And I have to tell you, in my head, in my head, it gives us this um, cinema. It gives you landscapes. It, you know, as you're listening to it, it just it, it evokes all kinds of imagery. So we, we discussed that in the interview. Now, it is available now. And Todd was conflicted. He had a moment of pensive reflection on as to, by the way, pensive reflection. Isn't that, isn't that uh, delightful? My rock words, delightful. But he had this moment of pensive reflection where he said, boy, should, should I release this album in May as planned or should I delay it until this whole pandemic thing is done? Fans on Facebook said, dude, release it. We want new music. And I agree. Why should you delay a release of music? Especially in projects where you don't necessarily plan on touring. Uh, you know, Gothard, my favorite band, one of my favorite bands, released an album called Number 13. They were supposed to go do a tour. Couldn't happen. I, I can see that as being an issue, but... This album in particular, Todd says, Listen, I, I don't really have a plan on going to tour this. Um, you know, I've got my, my, my day job with Styx. I've got the, uh, the moonlighting gig with, with Gowan. Don't necessarily need to go tour this. So, so I don't understand. Uh, you know, I get that vinyl records maybe can't be made right now because you have to be in a plant and people are not going to be socially distanced and so on and so forth. Same, same issue perhaps with CDs and getting them into boxes. But none of that is true if you get it out on Spotify or Deezer or Apple Music or any of those services. And it, it occurs to me or it appears to me that fans have a very, very large attention span right now because they're just looking for stuff. You know, uh, how, how many times can you stream the entire, uh, the, all the seasons of Blue Bloods, Right. You do it once, and you're like, all right, I'm good. Or the or the blacklist, or any show. At some point, you go, yeah, I, I love TV, but might need some music. So, uh, so for for bands that are holding off on releasing stuff, I say just release it, uh, and 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 be honest with your fans. Say, listen, we're gonna put it up on Spotify. We're gonna put it up on Apple Music. You can go check it out. We'll have some videos on YouTube. We can't sell you the vinyl right now. We can't sell you the CD right now. And uh, listen, I got to say, if, if the music stands up as a fan, I'll go buy the CD when it becomes available. But right now, sitting at home, staring at the wall, going, you know, it could be really cool. Some new tunes from one of the bands I like or new tunes from a band that I don't know I like yet. But if they have the new tunes and I listen to them, I might like them and become a fan. So so release the music They're They're. There, there doesn't seem to be a need for pensive reflection or don't do it. it. It seems counterintuitive to not put out music to an audience that is primed for anything right now. 
You know, when people get back to work and they're they're worried about all kinds of stuff, I, I got to get back to work. I got to do extra hours. I got to make up for the lost pay. I got to do this. I got and the kids and then the school's back. And, a new tune is not going to be a priority. It's, it's just not going to be a priority right now. Right now, it's not a priority for new music either. But it be it would be a welcomed addition to what's going on. Just uh, a. A peaceful distraction, if you wish. Anyway, uh, let us get over to uh, Gowan drummer and Sticks drummer, haha, uh, Todd Zuckerman, the new album, Last Flight Home. Enjoy it, folks. And uh, oh, by the way, just just real quick, the state of Missouri has announced that they plan on uh, allowing concerts as of um, the second week of May. Um, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Good luck with that, Missouri. I'm not too sure that's the greatest idea ever. And uh, they they mention in their press release that they will enforce uh, social distancing by like removing every other seat and like some some kind of weird facetious kind of comment about how they're going to enforce social distancing. All I can say is the mosh pits in Missouri are going to be wild. Just going to be people staring across the room like a high school dance going, yeah, I'd be running into you right now, but keep your distance, keep your distance. Anyway, uh, here is the one, uh, the only drummer, Todd Zuckerman. We are speaking with a Styx drummer, Todd Zuckerman. Of course, here in Canada, we call him Gowan's drummer. Yeah, <laughs> right? right? We, we have to do the, the hometown thing. But of course, uh, his new solo album is called Last Flight Home Out May 2nd. And as we say in Montreal, uh, bonjour, Todd. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Good, good. So l- let me just go right into this. Uh, I follow you, of course, on Facebook. I- I'm friends with Lawrence. You're a great guy, great band. You went to Facebook and you said, listen, I'm-, I'm in a quandary. I don't know what to do. Do I release this album in May? Or with the whole COVID situation, do I you know, put it out, whatever, in September or October. And, and you seem very much perplexed as to what, would the, what the right decision was. Talk to me about that final decision of saying, okay, we will put it out. And, and how much of a struggle was it to say, do I balance human interest? And like, how, you, just talk to me about that. It, it, it was a very challenging thing that I, I really needed to ask, uh, you know, whatever audience I have, their opinion. Uh, I mean, the, the record was done. It was manufactured and, and printed. And, uh, you know, the CDs were, you know, sitting in boxes in my house. And uh, then uh, you know, COVID-19 hit. And I thought the same thing. I, I can't release a record at a, a time of great human suffering and um, you know, people wondering how they're going to keep the lights on and, you know, appear to be, you know, hawking my wares, so to speak. Uh, at a, at a, a time uh, unlike any in history that we've lived through. Um, and then after a while, I had a few close confidant musician friends of mine say, you know, it's done. It's ready to go. People need entertainment. And, you know, even in the Great Depression, you know, the movie houses and, and vaudeville or whatever was happening, you, you, you know, people needed entertainment. And uh, my wife was originally with me on the, well, we can't do anything about this now. And then she started to change her tune as we listened to some of our friends. Um, 
And so I was really perplexed about it because, you know, I'd never done a record before. I was very excited about it. And have it be put on hold was, uh, you know, personally very, very disappointing. Uh, but then when I started to get uh, the notions that, you know, maybe people have the chance to sit and listen now in a way that they never have. Um, and uh, I read so, someone said somewhere, you know, release, release new music now because someone is here to listen to it now that might not be here to listen to it later. Uh, and so I, I with sort of a, a perplexed uh, mind and a heavy heart, I, I went to both my Facebook pages, Instagram and YouTube, and I, I posed the question, should I wait for brighter days or should I go full steam ahead with this? And the resounding response was 99.9, you know, please release it now. So I, I ended up moving the release date to May 2nd uh, from the original date, which is May 30th, which put me in, uh, you know, somewhat of a scurrying panic to try to get some of the, uh, you know, the web store together and the infrastructure together to, to do this. Um, so uh, it's been a wonderful distraction for me to keep me incredibly busy uh, during this time. And uh, pre-sales have already went out and the response I've, I've gotten on the music is just a uh, been truly heartwarming. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how this came to be. Yeah. And, and listen, I went to your Facebook and I was one of those that said, put it out now because you do have a captive audience right now. And with so many people just doing nothing, uh, listening to an entire album, sort of like we did back in the 1970s seemed appropriate to me, you know, uh, it just it, it just seems right. And of course, um, let, let us talk about the actual music on the album. Now I've had a chance to hear it. And to me, if I were if I were going to do a review, I would say it's very cinematic. It's got this. I could see images as I was listening to it with all the orchestration and stuff. I could see it being part of a movie where there's all this stuff going on. Talk to me about your writing process. And did you have a cinematic version in mind down the road? Uh, well, you know, the the, the funny thing is, I, I would imagine, uh, including coming from myself, that any record that uh, had my name on it would be some sort of drum centric uh, jazz fusion uh, project. Uh, so I know that this is a really um, uh, it, a departure. The, the, yeah, it's, it's a departure to A to be singing, uh, you know, have it be a vocal record. But really, what's always been most important to me with music is melodies and stories and, and the lyrics. Um, songs you know uh that's what emotionally hits me and I, I i gravitate towards that over things that have uh you know olympic style drumming all the time um so the way it came out was just very very organic you know jk harrison's a friend of mine from the old days who's a brilliant musician and, and and he was cajoling me to, to do a record and we wrote the track last flight home that was one of those magical nights where in 30 minutes, the song was written, you know, so, you know, it was back, back and forth like lightning. And that was the centerpiece was sort of laid right there that, okay, this is definitely track one and a concept for, for the record in a way. Um, but yeah, the, the pieces I've always been into orchestration and real strings and layering uh, things for emotional content and an emotional effect. So uh, I think cinematic is, is, a, is a pretty good description, although that, that could be taken to sound, uh, you know, light 
but it's it's really not light. It's um, uh, it, no, it, I it's, didn't. It's I didn't mean it as. Sorry, I didn't you know mean, what I mean. I didn't mean it as light. I meant it as it evokes an imagery. That's what I meant because as you're yeah, hearing yeah, yeah. to it, there's a lot yeah. of landscapes going on. There's a lot of musical landscapes going on within the songs, and so I could see it. Uh, translating to visual landscapes too. I mean, if you know, people are, you know ask for comparisons, and I, I would say, you know, if if you like um, sophisticated pop rock, uh, you know, bands like Elbow, Crowded House, Jellyfish, XTC, uh, you know, you you stand a chance of liking this. Um, you know, uh, uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. Te- texts are, I can't stop the text. Um, uh, a song like uh, a Sacred Book of Favorite Days evokes, you know, beetly uh, jellyfish XTC type of type of imagery. Uh, a song like An Invitation to me has a sort of magical late seventies Genesis or Trick of the Tail vibes at at, at times. Um, there's a lot of different flavors on the record, and and that's one of the things I'm most proud of because uh, I like records that have different vibes and different feels. I'm not comparing it to Revolver by the Beatles, but I'm saying like, you know, a record like that has so many different types of things that it makes that, that collection of music uh, uh, magic. And that's a little bit of what I was trying to go for in a way. And, and, and very successful. <laughs> and uh, let us compare it to a Revolver of the Beatles. Why not? No, I'm kidding. Um, this is... <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Let us not. I, I, I'm going on the record saying, let us not do that. <laughs> Your songwriting compared to Paul McCartney's. Let's go. No. Um, (laughs) Why not? Uh, But all right. This is, of course, the first solo album, the debut solo album. Is this one where you just go, okay, I've been in this business 20, 30 years. It's done. It's out of my system. Back to sticks. Merci, bonsoir. Or do you say, well, it was kind of fun. Maybe in a couple of years I'll do number two. I mean, is this the start of something new or was this the, the, the period at the end of a sentence for you? You know, I, I never say never to anything. I mean, uh, y- you know, I have no aspirations to take this on the road or be some sort of singing celebrity. Uh, you know, I, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to leave the band or anything crazy like that. I'm, 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 I love my band. I love my guys. I love my job. Um, it's a great job to have. Um, so this was really something that it was a grand experiment of something that I didn't know if I could do or not. Um, and, and that's kind of how I went into it. Um, and I did it largely in secret because I didn't want to blow the horn that I'm, I'm, I'm doing a record and a vocal record. And then in the end go, Oh God, I can't let anybody hear this and, and, and just pull out, you know, Hey man, what happened to your record? Oh, nothing. Um, so that's kind of how I went into this. So to really answer your question, um, you know, I, I would like to do some sort of instrumental record at some point. Um, I think the reason why I didn't was because I just played on Antoine Fafard's Bormian Odyssey, which in my opinion is a, is a masterpiece writing jazz fusion, just a, some of the most difficult music I've ever attempted. And uh, a San Nico record that was had some very challenging instrumental uh, music. So that itch had been scratched uh, for the time being. Uh, and I think that's why I was put off in, into this direction. It's a, it's a great direction. All right. So let me ask you about some of the other stuff, the, the Gowan and all this stuff. But I, I have to start with turning up the interview to 11. You, of course, have done work with Spinal Tap. And 
uh, <laughs> right? Because it, 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 it is what it is. Talk to me about that year and that time and being on Jimmy Fallon and do, what was that like? Because in a sense, it's a comedy routine, but at the same time, they're real musicians doing real stuff, you know, doing real music. Um, what was it like being part of Spinal Tap? Yeah, but you, you, you nailed it on the head right there. It's, it's the fact that they actually care. It's very easy to go, oh, they're very successful comedians and movie stars, uh, you know, uh, and they're just doing this as a lark or to blow up some steam. But they really care. They they want to play and, and sing well. And to see Christopher Guest, uh, you know, messing around with a Marshall amp head and saying, "There's, I think there's, there's something. Can we get another head?" He knows what the sound that he wants to to get. Um, all those guys are obviously uh, just geniusly funny. They're wonderful gentlemen, um, and to have spent time with them and, and, and having had meals with them uh, are experiences that I, I hold dear because uh, their comedy royalty, not even just for having created Spinal Tap, but for all the other projects that they have all graced uh, or created or, or been a part of. Um, so I, I first played with them on The Tonight Show in 2000, and we got to do Stonehenge, complete with uh, the little people and the uh, small Stonehenge monument. Um, and then in, uh, gosh, it was 2009, we did a couple of TV shows in uh, New York, Jimmy Fallon and, uh, uh, John Stewart daily show. So yeah, those are Great experiences stuff. that I, 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 hold dear, man. I mean, they're, they're, they, they really care about playing well and they're just great human beings. Yeah, they really are. Um, and speaking of great human beings, uh, being Canadian this year, we lost uh, Neil Peart of Rush. As a musician, you know, you, you, how do you sort of rate or rank or, or, or feel about, because rating and rank is maybe the wrong words, but talk to me a little bit about Neil to give me that sort of Canadian flavor for the, for the interview. Well, I mean, you know, Neil was singularly unique in, in so many ways that went beyond uh, his obvious prowess on the drum set, um, you know, because he was the lyricist, uh, you know, he was an architect of world and dreams and, and was a, a, a sage or a prophet to, to so many people. Um, and then in his private life, uh, his, um, as an author, uh, writing about his travels, whether it's riding a bicycle in, in, uh, in West Africa or, uh, his, uh, motorcycle trips, uh, or the, the horrible story of the, you know, uh, tragedy that, that he endured losing his first wife and daughter. So when, when a figure like that passes away, I think the mourning is felt on such a deeper level because it's not, Hey, here's obviously a great rock drummer passed, but you know, people seem to know him through his written words, whether it's the, the lyrics or the books that, that he released. So the loss of his person, becomes so much more of a, a profound uh, thing to so many people all over the world that, that held his music and his writing very dear to them. Oh, um, so that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, was, it was a loss. I, I only got to meet him once. We were working next to each other uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, <clears throat> I found him to be absolutely engaging, endearing, a total gentleman, um, 
we were standing there. This actually, the Stanley Cup trophy was right there. He was, uh, that's when he was recording and filming the, uh, 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 hockey night theme, uh, Canada's the ho- hockey the, night theme. The hockey night in uh, Canada theme, yeah. Uh, dun, 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 that, that's right. And, and I was working next door with Brian Wilson. And then after a while, he was asking me all the questions about, um, what's it like working with Brian Wilson? What are you doing? You know, what's up with Gowan? Uh, you know, some of our mutual uh, Canadian folk. And after a while, I, I kind of could sense in the room that there was a full, you know, 18 piece big band and a film crew and a studio crew that were sort of waiting for him to be done chatting with me so everyone could get to work. So finally I, I, I started to feel a touch uncomfortable. And I said to him, well, I, I best uh, set up in, in the next room. Cause it looks like everybody's waiting for you. And, you know, he kind of smiled and laughed and it was great to meet you. And we, we took a, a picture together. He and I right the, with the Stanley cup and it was a, a wonderful meeting. I, I wish I would have had, the opportunity to see him again. Um, but the, the, the one me- you know, memory I have of him, uh, I will hold dear. Yeah. And, uh, you, you can see that picture on, on Todd's, uh, socials. Uh, let me just quickly get into, since we're in Canada, uh, working with Lawrence Gowan, you, you and your career have had the chance to work with some of rock's greatest singers, including, including Dennis DeYoung and including Lawrence Gowan. Talk to me about that friendship that's developed, where you're going to go out on tour with him, and you do the, the, his solo shows, and he's not—he's not just the replacement guy in Sticks, and you're not just the drummer of Sticks, and I can't be bothered. There's a magic when you two are together. Talk to me about working with Lawrence, and and what it's like for you to play some of those songs, which which were huge hits in Canada, maybe not so much the rest of the world, but great stuff. Well. Um... I, I could really talk for hours about uh, my working relationship and my friendship with Lawrence. I, I consider him to be one of my closest friends and confidants. He's he's very wise and very zen. And if I ever have any sort of issue in life that I'm I'm not sure what the answer is, he's he's one of the the, the people I, I, I seek for their opinion. Um, uh, he and I share a musical work ethic where we are always uh warming up and working and rehearsing and 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 trying to not only stay in shape and 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 keep our edge but to to be better and better and he and i we have a both have a vigorous warm-up routine that we do before we hit the stage um but in gosh was that 2000 2011, maybe it was right. when uh, it was the 25th anniversary of Strange Animal. When he'd asked me to to play, I was a flattered, b very excited because Jerry Murata had played on so many uh, of his records. Who's one of my favorite drummers? A very unorthodox, unique uh, voice uh, in in the world of drumming. So I I took it as a, a fun challenge, and I also wanted to make my friend happy and, and, and proud that th- those parts were being recreated back there so he could do his thing. And it was, it was so much fun to see him, um, be him and not be part of the, 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 the sticks machine. I mean, it was, it was his gig. Uh, so I really enjoy playing that music, uh, with him. Um, it's great music. He gives it a hundred percent every time he's on stage, whether it's with sticks or his, his own thing. Um, he's just, he's 
just a, a, le- a level 10 all the way around. Yeah, uh, Lawrence is great. And, and Strange Animal and Criminal Mind, just classic, classic songs. Um, just real quick, let's get back to Last Flight Home. You, you did mention that you didn't have plans to go out and tour it. Uh, and of course, right now, even if you wanted to, you couldn't. But you do do drum clinics when you're on the road, when you were here with uh, on that Tesla tour with, uh, who was it, Joan Jett as well, right? Jet, Joan Jett, Tesla and Sticks, right? Uh, yeah, 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 right. Uh, right. You, you did a clinic in Montreal at the Steve's Music Store. Do you think that as you do these drum clinics, maybe you'll start throwing in some of the last flight home stuff? And obviously you won't have the full band, so you'll have to play to a track or something. But but would you consider including some vocal performances during your drum clinics? I don't think so, because <laughs> if you've ever done drum clinics, uh, you, you, you barely have the sound check done with drums in time to let people in, in the room to add vocals to, to that, that mix. And, and also, you know, I, I didn't play and sing at the same time. So that's a whole other thing that would be, um, have to be worked upon. You know, again, uh, you know, the, the first step was just realizing that I could make this record. The second step was I'm, you know, I'm proud of this music and I can put my name on it. I can stand behind it. Uh, so to have any aspirations to perform it right now uh, hasn't really entered my mind in, until I started doing some interviews. <laughs> I'm getting that question a lot, so I better be prepared. Um, yeah, I, I haven't even considered considered it, man. I'm just kind of taking this one step at a time and having fun with it. Yeah, and and of course, you know, on your Facebook, you always put up a drum cam video. So I guess at some point you'll have to start putting up performances of these songs just for the heck of it. Um, the last Dix album, The Mission. Fantastic piece of work, by the way. I have to say, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, and I know that sounds almost negative, like oh, but no, it was a, it was a great album. Where are we in terms of getting to the next new album? Because there had been a gap in releases. Now with the, the the COVID and everybody home, are you working on some new stuff? Is is it important to have new music? Well, you know, it it, it didn't seem like it was important for a while, and then the inspiration hit, and the mission was. Uh, overall a success uh, not the numbers of the old days but you know that that's it, it, things are measured differently now um, and Tommy's been inspired and and to tell you the absolute truth if life had gone on normally uh, I would have recorded the new sticks record two weeks ago in Nashville uh, the new sticks record whenever it comes out I have to tell you is mind-blowing and there's some songs on there that lyrically are almost i haven't even talked to tommy about this yet it's it's almost prophetic to what is going on right now and part of my practice routine is to keep my mental notes sharp on what i want to play on this music um, I don't want to forget it. I just don't want to sit on the couch or start playing other things. And then when it's time to record, go, oh, what? Oh, I had something cool here. What did I want to play here? I, I don't want to have that sensation. So I've been keeping sharp. And there's a song on there called Sound the Alarm. I damn near burst into tears uh, uh, playing along to this piece of music because it's, it seems like it was written today about what's going on today. It friggin' blew me away. Wow, I can't I can't wait to hear that. Now, I know you have an interview in five minutes, so I'll just ask you one last question. Uh, your first album with the band was, of course, Brave New World. 
Just talk to me a little bit about that time in your life where you know you're going to play on an album, and, and this is a classic band with a long history, and you're going to be part of it. And then getting that, that nod from the boys where they go, yeah, you know what? You're going to stay with us. You're going to be the guy. What was it like joining Sticks? Because it's it's sort of like joining Aerosmith or joining Kiss. or jo- It's just one <laughs> well, of those I, things, I, I, right? I kind of had that experience from the, the first record I did with them was, was back in 1995 when they, they called me to ghost drum for John for Lady 95. Uh, and then when they called me the next year to, to play in Little Susie, I kind of knew something was something was brewing. And then they asked me to do the first tour. Then we did the live record. And then there was another three uh, new songs recorded for that. So by the time we got to Brave New World, I, I felt, you know, it was more like you're sitting down at a table at, at your favorite restaurant. You're like, okay, let's go. I know what I want to order. Boom. Um, so it was very, very comfortable and exciting um, at that time for me. But I, I was, I was very, very comfortable. There was no, um, Hey mom, I'm, you know, I can't believe this is happening. I, I, I had already been involved with those guys for a, a number of years. So now I felt like, well, it's, it's, it's time for me to do what I, what I'm supposed to do. And I was always a session musician and groomed myself to be uh, a session musician. So in, in many ways, I'm actually more comfortable in the studio than, than anywhere. So it, it was it was just a, it was a fun time for me. Well, and it turned out great. And I will say this, uh, having seen the band many times with you and, and, and Lawrence, just phenomenal stuff. I, I think this is a great unit. And I just look forward to more music, more tours, more shows. It's just absolutely terrific from the fan perspective. And uh, on that, I know you've got to go. So as we say in Montreal, merci, monsieur. Thank you so much. Uh, merci. And thank you very much. Stay safe, Mitch. All right. Absolutely. You too now. Bye bye now. All right, thanks. Cheers. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.